Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of our people at this church. Father, we thank you for your glory and your majesty and your holiness, Lord. It's because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords that hearts change. Lord, that hearts change for you. We thank you for what you've done in the hearts of so many of our people, Father. We thank you for all the salvations we've had, Lord. We thank you for all the people you sent out into the world on mission. We thank you, Lord, for all the work that we're doing locally, Father, to help people, to reach people, to spread the gospel. And so, Lord, we we pray that that this time together would just be a catalyst for that, would encourage us, would challenge us, strengthen us, convict us sometimes, Father, of how we need to live for your kingdom, for your glory, for your holiness, Father. So I, I pray the words that we study right now, Lord, wouldn't fall on deaf ears, but would fall into hearts that are receptive, Lord, that are open that are willing to hear, that are willing to be challenged. And Father, whatever you teach us, whatever you show us this morning, allow it just to kind of resonate in our hearts. Lord, allow us to take that into the world and then live it. Live it for the sake of your kingdom, Father. Be with us as we study right now. May you receive honor, may you receive glory, and may we be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. We are continuing our study this morning in the book of Mark. We've been walking through the book of Mark now for several months, going chapter by chapter, oftentimes verse by verse. We're going to continue that study this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to explain what we're doing here in just a second, but I want to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. We're still in the study on Mark, and we're finishing this up. We're winding this thing down. In fact, this week and next week will be the final two sermons out of the book of Mark. You say, why are we open into John chapter 18 if we're studying the book of Mark? Well, the Gospels are very interesting. As you're finding John 18, I want to kind of explain to you the differences here. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic Gospels. That means they're very similar. The stories they tell, the perspectives they give are very similar. And then John is very different. And so the, the accounts that we read in John oftentimes are different than the synoptic Gospels. 
But when we come to the end of the life of Christ, which we are now, we're in the final few hours of his life in our study, all of the Gospels tell basically the same stories. And so it's very interesting. You can go between Matthew or Luke or Mark or John and read the same accounts just from a little bit of a different perspective. And so in Mark chapter 15, we read the account of Jesus with Pilate, but it's a very short account. And you can go today if you want to and read that on your own. But the account in John is much more in-depth. There's much more discussion about the conversation, about what's said, about what Jesus says, about what Pilate says. And there's a question in there. And really, I want to get to the heart of that this morning because it determines a lot of things about how we live. Pilate at one point asked Jesus, what is truth? Now, you may or may not understand this, but there's a battle for truth going on in our world right now. And so I want to see how Jesus responds to this. I want to see how we can understand it and apply it to our lives. And so I want to just encourage you as, as we read through this and study through this, ask yourself the question, like, what is the Lord saying to me in this? How can I learn from this? How can I be challenged in my faith? How can I grow more? Because remember, the point of what you're doing right now is not to burn an hour in the week. It's not just to show up because it's Sunday morning and that's just what you're supposed to do. The whole point of you coming right now is to worship Christ, to open your hearts to his truth, to be willing to change, to be willing to be molded and shaped more and more into his image. And so I just pray the Lord would speak to you very powerfully through this passage this morning. Now just to catch you up to speed just for a minute here, Jesus has prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We studied that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus has now been arrested. He was taken to the chief priest, the high priest's house, Caiaphas. They went through kind of a, a, a fake, sort of trumped up, sort of a, a trial where he was accused of some things that he hadn't done. In fact, if you go back and read the accounts, it says that even the eyewitnesses lied and they made things up and they couldn't understand and couldn't get to a, a, a truthful account of what he had done. But the Jewish people are not happy with Jesus. The religious people, the religious leaders especially because he stirred up, they believe trouble, he's changing things. And so at this point in our account, Jesus has been arrested. He's already gone through the process of speaking to the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. They found him guilty of blasphemy, but they can't execute him. And they're kind of tired of what he's doing. They want to be rid of Jesus. And so in order to execute him, we'll see this in just a minute, they've got to take him to the Roman officials. So we pick up the story in John chapter 18, verse 28. Jesus has just been tried before Caiaphas. They're bringing him now before Pilate, the Roman governor. So John chapter 18, verse 28. By the way, if you don't have your Bibles, there's a Bible in front of where you're sitting. It's a black, hardbound book. You can take that out. We're on page 904 this morning. Love for you to follow along there in John chapter 18, beginning in verse 28. We have it on the screen as well. Then they, these are the chief priests, the religious leaders, led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas, he's a high priest, to the governor's headquarters. And it was early. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so they would not be defiled, but could eat Passover. So Pilate, that's the governor, went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And Pilate said to them, Take him for yourself and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of a death he was going to die. So Pilate, verse 33, entered his headquarters again and he called Jesus and he said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. My kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth listens to my voice. Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and he told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Now I want to stop there. That's the account of Jesus before Pilate. I want to walk back through it. I want to think through it together, understand it, and then figure out how we can apply it to our lives. Here's the first thing I want you to see very clearly that may be a shock to some of you, but Jesus taught it throughout his ministry, and it really affects the way that we live and the way we understand the world. Truth number one, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Now, Pontius Pilate was a Roman governor. Very powerful official. He was known as kind of a brutal ruler. He wasn't known as a very good ruler oftentimes. He didn't make wise choices often, but he was known as a man who, when things got bad, would kind of put his fist down and make decisions that were very difficult for people to understand sometimes. He was known to execute people. He was known to be a really rough ruler. And so when Pilate brings Jesus in, he's speaking to Jesus, understanding what these Jewish people want to do. They want to get rid of They want to be rid of Jesus. They want him done. They want him executed. They want him out of here. And so Pilate is going to begin this conversation with Jesus. He's going to begin asking some questions. And one of the first things he asks him is, are you, verse 33, the king of the Jews? Now, Pilate had the wrong understanding here. We need to get this because this will apply to us. Pilate is thinking kingdom. He's thinking fortress. He's thinking ruler. He's thinking armies. He's thinking laws. He's thinking political, military power, the sort of kingdom that the Romans understood. The Romans at that point had taken over much of the Mediterranean, northern Africa. They'd taken over a lot of the known world at that time. And they would lead by establishing these positions where they'd put governors in charge of certain areas. So Pilate is thinking about a king. Jesus is coming to be the king of the Jews. Jesus is going to kind of reestablish the Jewish people in power and in might and put them back in their right place of authority. Jesus has a very different understanding. Now the interesting thing to me as you study through the life of Jesus and his followers is for as many times as Jesus explained this, the people that loved him the most still didn't get it. Doesn't that sound like us? (laughs) Man, Jesus, it's like I read the same thing a hundred times and all of a sudden the Lord will open my eyes to it and I'll see something I've never seen before. You ever done that? Or or, y'all, this is one of my favorite things and please don't stop saying this because I love to hear this. Some of y'all will come to me and you'll say, I have never heard that preached before. And I'm thinking, I said it three weeks ago. You just weren't paying attention. (laughs) Now, don't quit saying that because I hope it. But it's because the Lord has opened your eyes to things. And that's true, and I get that. Sometimes you hear certain things, and sometimes you don't. It's because the Lord opens your eyes to things, right? And you want to see things that you hadn't seen before. The followers of Christ didn't get this. They still thought, even this is, I'm going to read you a scripture here in a minute. They thought, even after the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, right before he's going to ascend to heaven, they're still thinking military, political ruler. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Listen, this is just before Jesus ascends into heaven. 
He's gathered his people together. Verse 6 says, so when they had come together, they asked him, right? These are his followers. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, Lord, when are the soldiers going to roll in? (laughs) When are the legions of angels going to come down and restore Israel to the right? They're thinking King David type stuff. Ark of the Covenant, right? When is all this going to happen? The military is going to roll in and we're going to reestablish ourselves as the rightful owner. That's not what Jesus had in mind. You may remember after he feeds the 5,000, the Bible says in John chapter 6, after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they begin to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And Jesus, watch this, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by fours, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. They're thinking kingdoms and, and military rulers. But Jesus, pull verse 36 back up because I want you to see this, right? Jesus answered Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate, you've got the wrong idea. I mean, you're thinking armies and and military and political and rules and laws and all the things that you do. My kingdom is not of this world. You've got the wrong idea, Pilate. So I I want you to understand, just for a second, I want you to grasp this. I want you to understand what Jesus is talking about, where he's coming from, and really, most importantly, why it matters to us. So I've got this little thing up on the screen I want you to see. The kingdom of God equals the reign of God. You you can read all through Scripture about the kingdom of God. And you think about the kingdom of God, and you ask, what does it it mean for the kingdom of God? You you may remember Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on where earth as it is in heaven. Right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is, is not a military place. It's not a political power. It's not a ruler. It's very simply where the reign of God is established. So where the kingdom of God is, his rule is in charge. You understand that? He reigns. He's in control of all things. One one writer said it like this. His kingdom is a place where his servants, that's you, by the way, and me, his servants would be faithfully obedient. Man, could you just imagine, and let me just say this for myself. I can't say it for you. Could you imagine if I was faithfully obedient in all things to Christ? Faithfully obedient to all things and effective in living his kingdom principles in our own lives and in spreading the kingdom through our actions and our words, right? Now, we sit here and we get it. We understand the kingdom of God equals the reign of God where he's in control and he's in charge. And we get all that. Here is the problem. And I think it's more so in the Western church than it is anywhere else in the world. We are masters at building our own kingdoms. Like, that's what we do. We build our own kingdoms. And it's different for every person, right? I can't tell you what your kingdom is. You only know. But we're masters at figuring out our own kingdom. And and typically in our kingdom, we're in charge. And what we say goes. And and most of our kingdoms are designed to make us comfortable, right? And happy and bring pleasure. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with comfort. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. But when you're trying to establish your own kingdom where you're in control and you make the decisions and you're happy and you do what you want to do, you're missing the reign of God in your life. Do you understand that? And I just worry that we've kind of been lulled into this false sense of security, especially in America, because everything's pretty good right now. Everything's going along pretty well. We, we all can, can do the things we want to do typically. 
There's not a whole lot of uh, struggle in our life as far as the things of Christ are concerned. It's interesting. You should go back and read and do a word study on the idea of suffering through Scripture. It's incredible. It's incredible the amount of suffering that goes on for the followers of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you should intentionally make yourself suffer. I'm not saying that. But I am saying if you're living in a world, and only you know the answer to this, but if you're living in a world where you're in charge and you're doing what you want to do and you're at the center and it's all about comfort and entertainment, you're probably building your own kingdom. Jesus says, listen, my followers need to understand my kingdom is not of this world. Right? The Lord's kingdom is where he makes the rules, where we do, do what he wants, where he is at the center. Like, could you imagine if, if every person, let's just use this congregation, just this group of people right now, none of our other services, nobody serving in preschool, just this group. If you guys right now decided that you were going to live your life so that God reigned in all things and you were serious about it, 100% of the time, we would change the world from this room. Do you understand that? I'm not overstating that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the power of the Spirit working through followers of Christ where the reign of God is implemented in their hearts and in the hearts of others around them would change the world. I mean, Greg talked last week, the missionary from Indonesia, he talked a lot about prayer and revival and how important that is and how it begins with one person. He's exactly right. I mean, the power of a group of people that are serious about their walk, serious about their faith, where the reign of God plays out in their hearts. Jesus says, listen, my kingdom is not of this world. It's eternal. It's heavenly. It's spiritual, right? If we lived our lives like that, imagine how we could change and shape and mold the world. Now, let's continue. Understand this idea of the kingdom of God. Look at verse 38. So Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now, this is the problem we have. We start thinking about God's kingdom versus our kingdom. We ask this same question. I'm going to show this in just a minute, right? But this question about what is truth is awfully important. So he says, what is truth? He's speaking to Jesus. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews. Now watch this. Listen to what he says to them. I find no guilt in him. That's powerful because Pilate doesn't say, well, you're right. You know, I interrogated him. I looked at all the evidence. I've spoken to witnesses. I've done a thorough investigation, and it's clear he's guilty of these three things punishable by death. That's not what Pilate says. Pilate instead says there's nothing wrong. No guilt, right? Now, we all know what Pilate's going to eventually do. Pilate's going to lead him to execution. But Pilate says, I find no guilt in him. Verse 39, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Now, one of the failures, and I'm, this is point number two, one of the failures and struggles that we have in our world today is that we don't actually understand truth. And we've kind of come to this place in our society where truth is debatable, right? So here's the second truth I want you to see. This is important. Truth isn't based on our own personal desires or opinions. Right? Truth is not based on your personal desire or your opinion. Right? The problem we're seeing in our society today is that this mindset is driving society, right? Where truth is determined by the individual. And that's interesting what Pilate does here. Pilate says, I don't find, in fact, pull that verse up. I think it's verse 38. Pull verse 38 up again for me. 
What is truth? He said to him, he went back outside of Jesus and he told them, I find no guilt in him. Now watch this. Pilate doesn't see the truth of what Jesus has done because the truth is he's not guilty of anything. Instead, Pilate allows kind of the pressure of the crowd and his desire to kind of make all this go away. He's kind of made truth relative. It's not about what actually happened or what Jesus actually did. It's about what the people want and what Pilate wants. So he makes this relative decision. We're going to execute Jesus even though he himself says he's not guilty of doing anything. Like when we, when he, when we take truth and we make it subjective, and we begin to decide what truth is, and we take it outside of the Scripture and outside of what's foundation in our lives, that's when we begin to spiral out of control. That's very easy for us, myself included. It's very easy for us to look at society and blame everybody else. I'm, I'm guilty. Like, I look at the world, and I read the current events like you do, and the stories and the things people do, and I think, man, those people, how in the world... Like they're, they're crazy. How do, they, how do they think that way? How do they feel? that? Why are they doing these things? Why are they making these kinds of decisions? Until I remember, listen, if the reign of God, if the kingdom of God is going to come on this earth, it's going to come because believers are living out their faith in Christ day to day. And when we live out our faith in Christ day to day and share the gospel and spread the good news, guess what? The hearts and the minds of the people that don't believe will hear and be changed. So if you seriously want to change society, begin with yourself. Be serious about your faith, right? Don't allow truth to be relative. Because the the world we live in says truth is a personal decision. Truth is relative. I can make a decision that's good for me. You can make a decision that's good for you. Nobody's going to bother us. We'll do whatever we want to do. The problem is when truth is no longer based in fact, but instead based in perception and opinion, we have no foundation, no anchor upon which to stand. One writer said it like this, when someone loses the ability to understand that there is absolute truth, they become subjective in their thinking, they become their own judge of what is right and wrong. Now, I'm not going to go into the the issues that this plays out in the sermon series we did a year or two ago called Tension that kind of tackles a lot of these issues, deals with this idea. But we don't stand on the foundation and the the truth of God's word. We're going to begin to see more and more society crumble, bad decisions made. It's going to seem as if we're falling farther and farther away from the things of the Lord. But there's hope, and I want you to see it, and I need to kind of wind down here. So verse 36 again, I want you to look at it. We've already seen it, but I want you to see something different in it. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might, be del- might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world, verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Now watch the response of Jesus here. This is John 18, 37. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. Now here it is. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Here's the purpose. To bear witness to the truth, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Here's the third truth I want you to see this morning. Very simply, Jesus is truth. Regardless of what the world says, regardless of what your friend at work says, regardless of how you may feel sometimes or how you may think sometimes, the Bible is clear, Jesus is truth, right? And we build our lives upon that truth. We build our lives upon Christ and what Christ teaches. Now, it's easy for us in the world we live in to think, you know, this is a, this is a new debate, the idea of truth and, and, and not quite certain how to live and, and try to live our life based on what we want instead of what God wants. I would remind you that from the beginning, 
from the beginning, this battle has been fought. Genesis chapter 2, just listen, verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man, this is Adam, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Now, they understand, we know what's going to happen, right? We know what's going to happen in this story, but Genesis 3.1, the serpent's going to come to them after the Lord has said these things. And the Bible says the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now watch what he says, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you will die. Now here's the response of the serpent. He said to the woman, You will not surely die. From the beginning, people have questioned the Lord. Do you understand that? From the beginning, people have questioned absolute truth. From the beginning, people have questioned if the Lord's way is actually better than their way. And so Jesus enters the scene. Jesus comes on the scene and we read scriptures that talk about Jesus being full of grace and truth. The truth coming through him. John chapter 14 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus makes this very interesting comment, verse 37. Let's let's look at it as we wind down this morning. He says, you are king then, Pilate says, and Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason, I was, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Christianity is not about a, 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 a list of things you check off, right? It's not a legalistic, I check this box. and then if, if you think that's Christianity, you've missed it, right? Christianity is a relationship with Christ. But one of the litmus tests, one of the ways we can kind of understand if we're growing or understand if we're really serving the Lord is asking ourselves this question. Do we, pull that verse back up, pull 37 back up. Do we actually listen to truth? Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. It's a real simple question. Are you listening to the voice of the Lord or are you listening to your own voice? Are you building his kingdom or are you building yours? Do you think his truth is absolute or do you think it's relative? This is the question. It's a question that Pilate asked Jesus. It's a question that Adam and Eve struggled with in the garden. It's the question our society still asks today. And it's the question as believers we need to understand and be able to answer and then live by this truth. Because if you're not living your life based on this truth, you're going to be confused. You're going to suffer. You're going to spin out of control. You're going to wonder why things don't seem the way they ought to seem. Because this is God's word. This is our foundation. This is what we stand upon. There is absolute truth. There is absolute truth. There is a foundation upon which we can walk and stand. And I would say to you, if you've never accepted Christ, and I know many of you have, but in a congregation this size, I don't ever want to miss this opportunity. If this is new to you, and you're like, I've heard of Jesus, I'm not quite sure what that means. I'd like to learn more. I'd love to talk to you. I'm going to stand out front here in just a second. Any of my team would come talk to you. I would pair you up with anybody in here that you would like to talk to, you feel comfortable talking to about Christ. I'd like for you to understand who Christ is. Understand that he offers you forgiveness. Understand that he gives you a way upon which you can live. And I just want to encourage and challenge you that the foundation of our life is built on his word. It's built on the foundation of who Christ is. And it must be the way in which we live, the way in which we love, the way in which we guide ourselves in our lives. Built upon this absolute truth in Christ. I would love to share more about that with you if you'd come this morning. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for this truth. We thank you, Lord, for absolute truth found in your word. Lord, we thank you for this account, Lord, between Jesus and Pilate. It's challenging and compelling, Father, and it's, it's a good way for us to be reminded, Father, of who you are. It's a good way to be reminded of absolute truth. It's a good way to be reminded of who Christ is in our lives. And so I pray right now, if there's a person here who doesn't know, who's never prayed to receive Christ, who's never repented of their sins, Lord, let this be the moment right now. Through the power of the Spirit, Lord, just open up their eyes, open up their mind to this truth, Father. They may come. And for those that have been believers, Father, for many years, may they be reminded of the absolute truth of your word to build their life on the foundation of Scripture, not their own faults, not what the world says, Father, not their own perception, but on your truth, Father. And we'll praise your name for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is open. It's an opportunity for you to come and sing or pray or however the Lord leads you, you come as we worship together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.